who wants to play video games? Daddy, why did you eat my fries? I bought them and they were mine. Who are you guys? We're Finn and Jake. We're your friends. You're a psycho jerk and you ruined my life. I never said you had to be perfect. Now I have a memory of your memory and my memory. You don't remember anything, do you? Oh, Marceline. I never know what's gonna set you off. Did I look pretty fly? Why is everybody messing with me? We have a long history together. It's it's a long story. <gasps> I am talking into a microphone now. This is me. If I get really excited, I might talk like that. But generally, I'll be right around here. I'll be here for the most part. I might also get excited and and uh, maybe even more excited than I can fake right now. So. I might need a little, little more room for excitement. Build in an excitement buffer. Yes. For Mike. Yes. This is Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast. I'm John Moe, joined as ever by my co-host, Open Mike Eagle. He also hosts the Secret Skin podcast. Hello, Open Michael Eagle. Oh, it sounds so good when you say that. Hi, John. I'm looking forward to talking about our favorite show today. And next week, there's a bunch of new Adventure Time episodes. The first part of this big, huge Marceline miniseries called Stakes. We're going to get ready for that today by talking about Marceline the Vampire Queen. Now, next Tuesday, we'll have a brand new conversation parade right after the first episodes of Stakes air. We'll talk with the voice of Marceline, Olivia Olson. She's been on our show before, always delightful. Today, here on this conversation parade, we're going to hear from Adventure Time's head of story, Kent Osborne. He talks with us about the Stakes miniseries and also why one of the show's writers decided Root Beer Guy had to die. Root Beer Guy episode ends with him becoming captain of the Banana Guards, and then it's a year later and the Banana Guards still acting the same. If Root Beer Guy is so good, he would have like helped them get better at their job. And so I think he just wanted to kill him. <laughs> That's Kent Osborne on the decision to kill Root Beer Guy, who was, of course, resurrected as Dirt Beer Guy. More with Kent on that and death in general and Marceline coming up. But first, I saw on Reddit a list of things that have happened to Marceline in the past. And I'm just going to read it and thank you, Reddit writer, for providing this, even though you didn't know you were. Uh, <laughs> so on Reddit, this list reads, as a kid, she's separated from her dad. And her mother is possibly dead, sees the world fall into nuclear war, sees world fall into chaos under the lich, sees her guardian Simon fall into insanity, traumatized by dad eating her fries, which, you know, travels world to escape her past. Simon follows her but can't remember her, has a friend in PB, but drama ruins their relationship, gets a boyfriend he manipulates and emotionally abuses her, reunites with her father, and then he tricks her into ruling the nightosphere, locked in a state of madness. Mm. It's not a recipe for a happy life. It, it isn't, but she somehow managed to manage. I will posit to you, John Mo, yes. that Marceline is the most self-actualized character. Self-actualized. In the land of ooh. Define your terms, Mike Eagle. Well, when I think of self-actualized in the way that I'm thinking about it with her, I'm thinking about it in terms of her goals. Um, she seems to not really have any. Yeah. She seems to have figured out how she's going to live. And she's just coasting for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't, like most of the other characters seem to have some central motivation, positive or negative. She's just chilling. She's mostly trying to just kind of keep what she has. Like mm -hmm. she gets mad that, um... That Ash sells Hambo. You what? Are you crazy? That was my favorite thing in the whole world. So, you know, she gets upset. But other than that, she's not really trying to uh, 
you know, acquire anything. You think she's in a good place? I think uh, out of most of the characters, she's by far the most okay with things. She's a thousand and three. Yeah. And um, deathless is the term that is often kicked around here. She's a teenager uh, in terms of her at least visual presentation and general attitude. Yeah. Um, her behavior yes. and her appearance. Teenage dumb is associated with rebellion. And I wonder, like, if this is her rebellious phase, what will she be like as an adult? Like, will like is she rebelling against ruling the nightosphere? Is she rebelling against um, her vampire nature? Mm. Like, what will the next phase of her life be like? Once, like, what is what? What do you what do you think she's rebelling against, or do you think she's rebelling at all? Well, it's hard to see her really rebelling, other than just other than refusing to be in the nightosphere and rule the nightosphere because her dad is is tired of doing it or is too lazy to do it. Right. But but it seems like if you're leading a rebellious lifestyle, uh, if you're doing things to spite your parents, if you were brought up in a strict religious home and you become a punk rocker or something, mm-hmm. there seems to be an element of anger to it right. or defiance. And I don't really see that in Marceline. I see it only with regards to her dad. There's a little bit of pushback. Like, yeah. no, I'm chilling, you know. Yeah. All right. I have a different point of view on, on Marceline than you do. Sure. I don't think she's self-actualized. I think she is the saddest character in wow. Adventure Time. I think there is there is an abundance of pathos to Marceline. Okay. I, I struggled with whether she's a tragic hero or a tragic character. Um, but I can't find, I can't find that fatal flaw or that blindness to, uh, to a flaw that you see in, in an Oedipus or mm. in, uh, Orestes or some of these other classical Greek characters. But she, I, to me, it's the fact that she has no occupation, right? It, she just hangs out. And I think it's significant that she plays the bass because out of any instrument, the bass needs other people. You need people, yeah. You need people. And the closest she's come is briefly jamming with Ice King on drums right. to make a sort of uh, sad rhythm section. So the only other person who plays drums who can round out a rhythm section is the person who saved her who no longer remembers who she is. Now, that's very sad. It's very, very sad. Um, she lives in in a house by herself with her rarely seen zombie poodle. I don't even know if I've ever seen this poodle. It's I've seen it I've seen the zombie poodle maybe once or twice. Um but you know even her pet isn't really around very much. And uh and she just doesn't she doesn't have a thing. But John, she's a thousand. Yeah. She's probably going to be another 2 or 3000. Yeah. What's the hurry? Well, what's the hurry but what's the point? Mm. Because I think it's like I think she's kind of in hell. Because imagine like you know, and some other of her, her cohorts are, are deathless. PB is deathless, apparently. And, and Ice King, as long as he wears the crown, is is uh, deathless. But he's the Ice King and not Simon. Um, but Finn and Jake, to whom she is close, will will grow old and die. Well, okay. Like it or not, she's deathless. Yes. Um, and I could see there being a lot worse ways that she could handle this state. Like mm-hmm. she could kind of just be smoldering, angry all the time. She could be uh, torturing other people, cursing people. Yeah. yeah. Um, she seems to be handling it 
as well <laughs> as I've ever seen a self-aware, deathless character handle this state of probably being able to live forever. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think there's a lot worse ways to handle it than she is. Well, she does seem to be passing the time. I mean, there's like, I, and I should point out, I don't think that the creators of Adventure Time set out to make her a sad character. Mm-hmm. This is this is my observation and, sure. and not a, a clue that I've gathered. It's just an assessment of, of her qualities. But it is in conflict, I'll readily admit, uh, with the fact that she seems like the most serene mm-hmm. of all the characters in the show. Did you know that she's she wasn't born a vampire? That's yeah, I kind of knew that. Yeah, she's half demon and half human, actually. Wow. And her dad, like, Hunson Abadir is not a vampire. He's a demon. And um, apparently she was bitten by a vampire at some point in her life. Mm-hmm. Like, they show flashbacks to her when she's young and she has no bite mark on her neck. And then oh, okay. flashbacks later on in her life, she has the bite mark. So right. at some point um, she was bitten by a vampire, which is interesting because she already appeared to be a vampire because she was a demon. Right. But then actually at some point she became a vampire. She had vampiric features right. to her. I wonder if we're going to find that out in the upcoming episodes of when the moment was that she became a vampire. I certainly hope we do. But um, she takes... Uh, great steps. She puts in a lot of effort to suppress the vampire in her. Mm-hmm. She eats red candy so she doesn't have to bite right. people. Right. She eats red. Right. Now, I wonder why that is. Though. Like, why wouldn't she just uh, be a vampire? If that's if it's, if it's in her nature to do that, why wouldn't she just... I mean, there's so many wolves around. She could just be biting wolves and, and <laughs> sucking no blood. No shortage of wolves. No shortage of wolves at all. A good episode where they touch on that is the uh, Red Starved episode mm-hmm. where... Um, they're underground. They're in a they're in a mine looking for something. Uh, Jake has eaten all of her red candy. Yes, he didn't and, realize it was for her. Right, and she because she's hungry, she loses the control to suppress her vampiric nature, and uh, she's decides she's going to eat Jake. Jake, what? I can smell your insides, Jake. <laughs> they smell red. Ah! But yeah, it just, you know, it seemed like so so quickly it can turn from, okay, Marceline in control to Marceline raging vampire. It seems like that takes a lot of effort, you know? I can see one reason why she would go through the effort of suppressing her vampiric nature is just a recognition of the value of other people. Because mm-hmm. if she ate Jake, there would be no Jake. Right. And there would be, you know, things would be kind of ruined with Finn. Um, so maybe it is a recognition of the part of her that is half human and not mm. half demon. But, but I mean, that it's, it's a good question because she is not only suppressing her vampire instinct, but her demon instinct yeah, as well. That's a lot of suppression. She is denying her, her father and her, you know, because her father would gladly kill anyone, right. you know, and not think twice about it. Except, uh, except Gunter. Except Gunter yeah, because Gunter is more evil. Gunter's yeah. <laughs> got a lot more going on. Is there conflict with her to deny all those instincts, to deny two true natures, demon and vampire? And if so, why does she appear so chill? It it reminds me of like some advanced Zen kind of meditation mm-hmm. stuff. Like she's just worked through these impulses and yeah. has found this kind of place to just be and chill and not really bug people for the most part. Kind of, you know, just getting along okay, but doing 
a lot of really heavy kind of spiritual work. Yeah. You know, to kind of keep these two these two forces at bay inside of herself. Well, maybe that's the strength that she's been building up for a thousand years. Right. You know, maybe maybe the bass playing is is a hobby. Right. And uh, the real work that she's had to do. I mean, whereas it appears to me that she does no work whatsoever. She just hangs out. Maybe it's all internal. Right. So now now this big flurry of, of episodes is coming up and and. I ask nothing of the Adventure Time creators other than to keep doing a great job. Create and, creators. Know, create creators and, and dazzle us and make something delightful. And I know that they will. I know that they already have. Um, I have not yet seen the episodes. But uh, but what are you hoping to get from this uh, from this miniseries? Oh, man. I just I do want I want more coverage of this thousand and three year old life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't necessarily say what specific thing I want to see. I do want to find out about her mom. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I'm really interested in when she got abandoned. She seemed to be so young. Uh, a demon dad who's just not around at all. Uh, a human mom who, I mean, if it's hard to say. She looks like she's about like three or four when she's running around with Simon. Mm-hmm. But who she could be 50. Right. And you have no idea. We don't know the, the rules. Exactly. Um and so his mom died. His mom died recently. Um, I'm I'm so interested in who she was, who she is. Is she, is she still around somewhere? Has she lived a human life and died? Yeah, I mean, just just as we we've often talked about all the dads in Adventure Time being kind of jerks, a lot of the moms just, just absentee ha- haven't even existed, Not haven't even there. really been referred to. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I would love to see brought out. A little bit more is the story of her mom. I would like to. I would like to find out about uh, the relationship between Marceline and, and Bubblegum a little mm-hmm. bit more, sure. and and you know the the whole online speculation as to whether they were a couple. I don't. E- I'm not even talking about that. But they were. They were close in some way yeah. as friends, and then there was a falling out. And I want to know. What brought them together and what drove them apart? Yeah, I'm certainly not interested in finding out the details of any sort of romantic thing. I'm not no, really, cares? you know, yeah. like, yeah, that's not, you know, that's not very interesting. No. I do I do like how they've left room for that. And maybe if that's something that they could um, continue to hint at, that'd be great, you know? Yeah. But I wouldn't want that story necessarily told. It seems kind of a unnecessary. Kind of a dead ender. Yeah. Yeah. Hard left turn. <laughs> right. Um but yeah, it will be interesting to see their relationship, how it's unfolded over these thousands of years they've apparently known each other. Yeah. Or at least, a thousand. At least a thousand yeah. and, and change. Ken Osborne is the head of Story for Adventure Time. He's been on Conversation Parade before and told us all sorts of juicy information about where ideas for episodes come from. Kent, welcome back to the show. Oh, uh, thanks for having me back. So we've seen five episodes now from season seven, and I knew from the time I saw the title which one I, I would want to ask somebody about first, and it's football. I've got to ask you about football. Football, okay. How, um, <laughs> I know you didn't write football, but you're the head of story and are thus responsible for everything that happens. I actually, yeah, like I talked about before, the, the show is super collaborative, so it's, it feels weird to take any credit for any 
part of any episode. Oh, but, I'm not asking you to take credit. But I, I, just... I will take credit for okay. <laughs> for coming up with the idea for the. We were um, Jack and I were uh, Jack Pendarvis. Uh, we had a day where we just he, you know he's in Mississippi, so we were on a Google Doc and we were just like writing down uh, just one line premise ideas, uh, and I think we wrote about sixty of which I'd say. 75% of them were just jokes. But then one of them, uh, we showed the list to Adam. and uh, Adam Mudo. He, there was one that just said, uh, BMO uh, switches places with football okay. for a day. You know, and uh, he saw that and was just like, all right, let's do something with that. Yeah, we've <laughs> so, got to run with that. And I felt really good. I was like, oh, it worked. Like, we, we wrote all these <laughs> ridiculous ideas. And like we, there was one, like a good premise in there, a good nugget. But uh, yeah, it was boarded by... Um, yeah, Emily Partridge and uh, Luke Pearson. Emily's boarded a, a few episodes, and okay. she was she worked as a revisionist, and um, and then Luke, um, he's a freelancer that we've used a couple times, and he, he's uh, he lives in the UK, and he's uh, he has a comic uh, or a graphic novel series called Hilda. Oh, okay. Uh, and so they just both of them are just incredible artists and super funny, and so they they boarded that episode. And I, yeah, I remember the first pitch, the very first thumbnail pitch was was so hilarious and funny, and. Uh, they just like nailed it. How would you describe the relationship between BMO and football? Um, yeah, we talk about that a lot when we're writing it. We 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 don't know if this is all in BMO's head or if it's really happening, and we tr- we I think purposely try to keep that vague and kind of leave it up to the person watching to kind of figure out on their own. If you ask Finn and Jake, they're probably like, "Oh yeah, that's uh, BMO's imaginary." Like this is all in his imagination, but you know, I think it's super important that BMO believes that it's happening because otherwise I don't think that story works. Um, I thought that Nikki Yang's acting performance actually in, in this episode is really kind of remarkable, really excellent. Yeah. And <laughs> as, as, yeah, she had, we, you know, it's, it's a fun when you have to get, when, you know, you have to get her to like talk in a deep voice or yeah. be angry or mad. Cause she's like, she's, it's almost impossible for her to, to, to do that. It just sounds so funny. Yeah. Well, and you're in charge of voice directing the actors. How, how do you direct Nikki to play BMO as opposed to football? Oh, that's a good question. Um, she, I don't know. She was, she was kind of doing it. I didn't really give her much direction. She, she kind of, you know, it'll say in the script who's who, and she was reading scenes with her with herself, uh-huh. <laughs> which is always impressive. Uh, the other day, Tom Kenny was in, and he was it was a scene between four characters, and he was all four of the characters. <laughs> and I was like, "Do you want to break this up?" And he he's like, "No, I'll give it a shot." And he just he took a little like extra second in between each line, but he he was hopping back and forth. It was crazy. Can you tell me what the four characters were? Uh, yeah, let's see. It was. Uh, I think it was Gunter and Ice King and a banana guard. Shoot, I can't remember. I'd have to look it up and get back to you. It was. If the answer is Magic Man, then my co-host will be very excited. Oh, you know, it was Magic Man. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mike Eagle will be delighted that we're getting more Magic Man going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me, uh, let me ask some questions about uh, Mama Said, which is another one of the new episodes. What is the deal with kombucha? Uh, it seems to loom large in in this episode with with the mushrooms. <laughs> were, were people I, around the office drinking kombucha and then writing I, episodes? I don't. I, you know, Penn. I think that was something Penn had when we, we were beating that out. He started writing all that stuff, and we were just laughing. And he, just, and he was writing it in the outline, uh, just in all caps. Anytime the mushroom talked. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think maybe maybe Penn was drinking kombucha, or maybe he. Okay. A, a lot of times we're just like someone will say something, and then 
we, you know, uh, we'll, one of us will look it up and, and just start like reading facts about something. If, you know, uh, somebody mentions a movie or a book and, uh, we'll just go online and immediately like, uh, today Adam started talking about an Aldous Huxley, uh, novel. And so Jack in Mississippi and me and Matt, we're all just like clicking and like reading about it. And like, and then you start, you know, going, uh, down a rabbit hole. Regarding cherry cream soda, what are the conversations that you guys have when you have an episode that deals with death? Is death an issue that you're all dealing with as you're writing this? Or are you just <laughs> interested, interested in it in particular? What's the death conversation backstage at Adventure Time? I mean, well, I, I, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I, uh, Jack had written uh, Root Beer Guy Dying into that, the outline for something, something big. And he was really, <laughs> His like, only really... character that Jack plays, he, yeah, yeah. he wanted to kill. Yeah, which we, you know, at first I thought, oh, he's just being, like, self-deprecating or he wants to, but he really had a, a um, he was kind of frustrated that Rupert Guy, like that episode, the Rupert Guy episode ends with him becoming captain of the Banana Guards, and then it's a year later and the Banana Guards still uh, aren't, <laughs> they're still acting the same. And he, he said, oh, that looks, you know, why wouldn't, if Rupert Guy is so good, he would have, like, helped them get better at their job. And so I think he just wanted to kill him. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> because he was an ineffective captain of the banana guard. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And he wanted him to go out, you know, in, a, in sort of a heroic moment. Rest in peace, root beer guy. Um, are there are there rules about death in the world of Ooh? Um, according to like, is there something in an Adventure Time Bible that says this is how death works, and this is who gets to come back, and this is who never gets to come back? No, they, 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 it's something that sort of. Uh, We've talked about sort of like organically as as the show goes on. Uh, I remember when we uh, killed Prismo. I just woke up from my nap, uh, but I'm ready to go back to bed. I'd like to go home and take a nap. No, old man Prismo, don't talk to him. Are you my son? <sighs> mm-hmm. And that was a big discussion because. We were like, should we do this? Like, well, that'll really like that'll um, really make it really important to Finn and Jake. Like, to, you know, to go after the Lich and make them super evil. Yeah. And um, but I, I remember we were like, well, we can bring him back. We'll bring him back. <laughs> we'll kill him, but we'll bring him back. And I was like, okay. And then like a year later, we were talking about bringing Prisma back, and Penn was like, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. And I was like, you know, we have to. And I was like, I felt really betrayed that <laughs> we'd all signed on to killing him with the condition that we could bring him back one day. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I've noticed about about these new episodes is whereas there used to be a lot of stuff about dads in Adventure Time, moms figure prominently in these episodes. You've got the mother varmint, you've got the mother gum, um, you've got uh, this sort of mother figure of, of floating mushrooms, you've got Princess Bubblegum being the mother to... Cherry cream soda and and root beer guy was mm, mm. is that a conscious choice to lean into the moms here? Uh, no, maybe we just ran out of dads. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think it was conscious. I, I think it just. Well, I guess yeah. if you're telling origin stories, then you know people people come from mothers, so you got to trace it sure. back to that. Yeah, it all starts with the mom. Yeah. Okay. So I'm. Pe- I had a dream one night that I was with my mom in a truck we were driving in a truck and i uh i we were driving around los Feliz in in los angeles and we got i was supposed to turn and i went through this 
barricade, and we started going down this hill. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the trees were, like, we're hitting trees on that. Like, we're going down this steep cliff. And uh, I was just like, oh, this is how I'm going to die. And uh, I remember thinking, like, oh, I'm with my mom, which is kind of nice because I was born with my mom, and now I'm going to die with my mom. Right. <laughs> and, and also, I, was, I remember thinking, oh, she's not, like, yelling at me. Let's, like, she's not upset <laughs> that I drove us off a cliff. <laughs> and uh, I'm not in trouble. Like, yeah, I was like, that's weird. That's, she's taking this really well. And then I woke up, and I felt <laughs> like I had actually... I felt like I had wisdom about my, I felt like I had experienced that moment where you know you're going to die, but it was in a dream. Well, uh, speaking of, of things that are dead and, and people that are dead and people that are not quite dead, <laughs> let's talk about Marceline. Um, the Stakes miniseries is all about Marceline and it will start airing next week. My co-host, Mike Eagle, interviewed, yeah. interviewed Adam Muto about uh, Marceline and, and he said that... Uh, Adam said that, well, yeah, she started out as she was going to be this bad guy, but then we just gave up and then she was their friend. Um, yeah, I think like in the second episode. <laughs> it didn't take long at all. Yeah. Why has she evolved the way that she has? Like what what is what has guided the evolution of Marceline? I, I think with, I mean, with any character, uh, the, the moments that people really love and the, the moments that people remember and stuff all come from the storyboard artists that are boarding the episode. Like, we'll, you know, we give them an, out, a, an outline that's like a skeleton of a story. You know, it just has all the bones. And then they, they flesh it out and, like, come up with all these, like, moments. Like, I think in the memory of a memory, which is the first time we see Marcy, like, through her memories, we see, like, what she looked like as a kid. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was all Akko and Jesse. Like, they, a, a lot of that, from that episode wasn't in the outline, like her having Hambo and... Hambo is my only friend. Sort of like establishing that, you know, these these little glimpses of, of who she was uh, a long time ago. You know, that just, that's that's the result of the, the storyboarder. So, you know, it's 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 weird to, to witness it, being on the crew and sort of like, you know, you're writing an outline in a week and you're trying to get it approved because you have to hand it out the next week to the storyboard. So it's like... It, it all becomes a blur, but like when you're storyboarding, then you actually have four or five weeks to sit down with the story and like just think about it uh, all the time. Like you're spending all those five weeks, like thinking, even when you're not at work, you're taking yeah. the bus home or riding the bike or, you know, uh, at a party mind. and you're just like, everything is sort of like relating to this, whatever story you're working on. You're like, oh, that'd be a good idea. That's interesting because it, it seems like. Uh, the evolution of some of these characters and the choices that they make and how they move and how they they change from season to season and how they mature or whatever or at least evolve yeah. it seems like a really decentralized operation it's not it's not people sitting around a, a boardroom table saying this is what Marceline shall be exactly yeah yeah which I think is like it's a hard process to trust like you really need talented people working at every level um, and, uh, you know, but I, I think it's scary, uh, you know, if, if you were doing a show, you'd want to see the scripts ahead of time. You'd want to make sure you knew what every story was going to be. And, you know, we're just saying, you know, we have these outlines. We're just like, you know, eh, there's all these little details that are just going to come out during the boarding process. And I don't know. Yeah, it's this, it's this thing that's just always, uh, it's alive and, and evolving and moving. So so Stakes is a deep dive into Marceline. It's an eight-part miniseries. Are we going to see deep dives on other characters? Will there finally be a full Peppermint Butler miniseries where we learn <laughs> all about his occult ways? 
Yes, it's going to be a sixteen parter. <laughs> Sponsored <laughs> by the Church of Satan. Yeah, it's called the Pep Files. Oh man, <laughs> It'd be very creepy. No, and yeah, we're 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 already like talking about like kind of the next one and what we might do. So, yeah, I mean, it was it. How is it different than the process of putting together just eight uh, random episodes? I don't know. It's tough because it's like everyone. It's almost like. You know, if I, if I if I pitch a story that takes place in Mars, Marceline's, you know, 500 years ago, like mm-hmm. I'm basically writing fan fiction. Like I'm saying, oh, I'm really, I really like the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, I, and here's a story, you know, and it's like, and it's kind of, you know, it's up to Adam. Like, okay, well, let's not do that or let's do that. That's funny. That's what Ashley Birch said was uh, about working on the show. She said, you know, having watched it for so long and been a fan of it, now she feels like she's writing fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> It's show. weird. What do you hope people take away from Stakes after watching it? Um, oh, geez. I don't know. We well, we just had a – we screened it um, uh, for the crew, and, uh, you know, it was nice to – because usually you watch an episode, you're usually alone or with a couple people. But it was nice to watch it with a, a theater filled with people and see what people laughed at. and Or you could – you know, there's some kind of – touching moments that you could just feel everyone in the room is like enjoying. Um, but, uh, Tom Kenny, I got, when I got back to my office, he had called him up a message that he was just gushing about it and it was really nice. He's such a good guy, but yeah, yeah, he like, he was really affected by it. So I think that just, yeah, I guess someone who likes it and they like it so much that they don't really know how to put into words why they liked it. Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast, is a production of Infinite Guest and American Public Media. It's hosted by me, John Moe, and Open Mike Eagle, who also hosts the Secret Skin podcast. The Adventure Time end credit song you're hearing was written and performed by Ashley Erickson. The Daddy Fries song that you heard earlier was written by Rebecca Sugar and sung by Olivia Olson. You also heard an instrumental cover of the Daddy Fries song on this episode. That was from YouTube user Pancake Fiesta. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Special thanks to Cartoon Network for their support. Hey, we want to hear from you. Go to iTunes and review us. Write glowing, fabulous reviews. Give us five stars or, you know, do whatever you want. Do what you think is right. But it's really valuable when you guys do that on iTunes. Also, go to infiniteguest.org, find Conversation Parade, and find an episode, and you can leave a comment in our comment section. Mike and I love to chat with you over there. You can also click on the link to send us an email from that page. We're on Twitter as well. I'm at John Moe. Mike is at Mike underscore Eagle, and we're at Infinite Guest.